We're up to Parakaf Gimel. Um, so here's the thing. The thing is that uh, Yoshua has 24 chapters and we're on the 23rd chapter. So Bezrat Hashem next week is the last chapter and I'll ask everyone to bring some nash so we could do a Zoom siyum. And, uh, and after that, we'll, we'll have probably a break because it's already the three weeks. And uh, during Bain Asman, and we'll definitely take a break. So I think that we'll just stop and start a new Safer um, after the three weeks. That's what I think. Okay, we'll just put that on the chat also. Okay, so Parakuf Gimel. Now we, we went through all the uh, the conquest, we went through all the division, and now we're at the end of Yeshua's life. And <clears throat> Yeshua wishes to give over a speech, a, um, a sort of a farewell, and he follows very much in the footsteps of his Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, in a sense, in a certain sense, the whole Sefer Dvarim is kind of a farewell speech, but certainly there are messages that a great leader wants to give over before they pass on. And there are certain uh, fears that they have and concerns for what's going to be the future of their people when they're no longer around to shepherd them on the way. And so they want to get across all the proper warnings and all the, um, the best information and help that they can. So that's really both Parakhof Gimel and Parakhof Dalit, 23 and 24, both chapters are sort of goodbye speeches of Yoshua's. There's a slight difference. That is that um, we see that chapter 23 is very short. It's only 16 sukkim. 24 is much longer. And 23 seems to be directed more at the leaders that are taking over as opposed to the people as a whole. So we have a sort of different orientation and a different style. But um, the it does seem that both, both of these, um, the Dat Mikra says they're both parts of a whole, and that we should look at them as actually two parts and possibly even the same gathering. In, in Parachaf Dimel, we're not told where the people gather. And in Parachaf Dalad, they're gathering in Shechem. So I think um, we'll screen share here so we can look at the Pesukim. Um, are we okay? So, so you see that um, this is Ephraim, and Shechem is right in the middle of the territory of Ephraim. That's where the second meeting takes place, and the first meeting we're not told. So the Dathmik was suggests that it was in Timnatzera, which is the home of Yoshua, and that maybe here a little more clearly. Um, sorry, they don't have it either. Somewhere near Shechem. In other words, we're placing this speech 
close to Yoshua's home. And the coins of that mikra in, uh, in the timeline, they were also together pretty much at the same time. Now, if you take a look at Perkhaf Gimel in, in this particular edition, I always like to look at this first. You see, according to the, 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 this particular edition, which is right, one of the uh, Sefruta Kodesh that's on the internet, which there are many, you see they use it as one unit. It's a little bit, um, because the whole purpose of it is one speech, but we're going to divide it up a little bit further. And we're going to look at this. You see that the, the first two psukim are the beginning where Yoshua is gathering people. And then afterwards, it's a recap of what Hashem has done from, from Gimel to Hay, let's say. And then a sort of advice, what you're supposed to do, the nation must do. And there is a kind of emphasis after that uh, about what Hashem has done for you and how you have to conduct yourself in the future. So it is thematically basically one idea, but there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. So without further ado, Pasuk Aleph, Vayhimi Amim Rabim, and it was the Mitsuda says, after many days, after Hashem had given the Jewish people to rest from all their enemies around, and Yoshua was old, Baba Yamim. Now, first of all, the chronology is a little difficult because we, we have a, a tradition. The Seder Olam says that Yoshua was leading um, the Jewish people for 28 years. So if he dies at 110, so that means he began his career at 82 in terms of, in terms of when he took over as a leader. So they came into the land at 82, that would mean he was uh, 42 at Zias Mitzrayim. And we have also, we're told that Yoshua conquered the land for seven years and divided the land for seven years. And this is another 14 years on top of those 14 years, according to the Chazal. And I don't, I'm not sure what the source for that is, but that is the, the tradition. In 28 years, he was the leader. At the end of that time, he's old, Sakain, Baba Yamim. Now, Baba Yamim is an expression we have in other places. We use this expression for um, Abraham and also for David. So what exactly is Baba Yamim? You're going to find different translations in the English. You're going to find, um, you know, aged, advanced in years, all these lovely expressions. <laughs> it's strange. It's a strange expression. Now, the, the Medrus says in Rashi's Rabbah that Avraham, Yeshua, and David were each Baba Yamim because they were the heads, they were the beginning of a new era. Avraham was the era of the Avot. Yeshua was the era of kingship other than Malchus based David. And David, obviously, the head of Malchus based David, the beginning. So they were each sort of the head. 
And that was the Baba Yamim. And, and there the Midrash says something interesting. Some people have years and some people have um, zikna. And zikna and days and how does this work? And it seems to be going in a direction from what I've seen in the commentaries is that these are people who use their days. They use their days and um, their, their, their accomplishments were um, fit with the amount of years that they had. And there is a little bit of an interesting medrash, which I prepared for you, um, about Yoshua's age here. Bamibar Rabbah. Uh, Rabbi, I'm going to translate loosely, but you can follow in the Hebrew if you like. Uh, Rabbi said, Kasher hayiti Moshe When Hashem tells Yoshua, as I was with Moshe, I will be with you. Yoshua was supposed to live 120 years like Moshe. Why did he lose those 10 years? Now, we actually spoke about this earlier in Sefer Yoshua in chapter 11, verse 18 where it's stated that Yoshua did this war for many years. And the fact that he did the war for many years was taken as a, um, uh, not a compliment, let's say, because he should have done it quickly. And the Medrash here says, right? When Hashem said to Moshe, take revenge against the Midianim, and then you will be gathered to your people, in other words, that you will pass on even though he knew the, the information of his death, he did not uh, go late. He went with alacrity and he sent to do what God wanted. But Yeshua, since he came to fight with the 31 kings, he said, as soon as I kill them all, I'm gonna die. So therefore, right, he sort of dragged his feet. As it says, Yamim Rabim, this is the quote that I mentioned before, Chapter 11, verse 18. It took Yeshua a long time to fight these battles. Baruch Hu, Hashem says, oh, this what you have in mind? I'm going to take off 10 years from your life. Amar Shlomo, Rabot Machshavot, Belev Ish, Batsat Hashem Hitakum. So there is our first uh, lesson. We uh, we think we can uh, outsmart Kadosh Baruch Hu. No, no. Right, we we are supposed to do what Hashem wants and leave the cheshbonot to Hashem. There's a there's a there's a Mishnah in Avos that says, if you do Hashem's will, Hashem will do your will. Right, um, so I wrote it down. It's a sort of, it sounds a little self-serving, but the point of it is if you if you do what Hashem wants, Hashem will do what you want. If you nullify your will before God, God will nullify the will of others before you. So that's uh, something to think about. We, we love to think that we're in control. It's very, very scary for human beings to realize how much they're not in control and um, a lot of times, you know, we think we're in control. We're never in control, but um, we have to do our best and, um, and, and trust HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is kind of a sad comment on Yeshua, but let's go back to the text. Okay. 
is a cane, Baba Yamim, and he has messages for the people. Classic bet. He tells it straight out. Okay, now it's very interesting in Pasuk Bet because he calls the Chal Yisrael and then we delineate this Kenim, the Rashim, the Shoftim, the Shotrim. So which is it? Is it the leaders or is it all the people? And this is actually uh, not something easily answered. Yabarbanel suggests that Yoshua had all the people gathered, but the people who were immediately in front of him were the leaders, so that they could testify to everything that's, that was said, because they were the, the, the more um, senior members of the congregation, and the younger people perhaps had not been together with Yoshua from the beginning. The Malbim says the Canaan is the Sanhedrin, the Russian are the, the princes, and each city or town had judges and officers. And he tells them, I'm old. Now, this is going to be a very frightening prospect for the Jewish people. You know, we, we can see, just looking around, how critical it is to have good leaders and how hard it is when a good leader um, leaves the scene. It's very, it's heartbreaking. I actually went with a friend of mine yesterday to the Begin uh, Museum. And uh, I was kind of shocked to realize that Begin was only prime minister for six years. It just seemed so much longer. And, uh, you know, I'm certain that Begin made his mistakes, but there was a person who was completely devoted to the Jewish people, didn't take anything for himself. And when such a leader, and, you know, even though it's years ago, right, you know, uh, 83, when he left the, the, uh, the office of the Rosh Hashanah, and it was kind of sad, like, it was kind of sad, even like watching it in retrospect and saying, you know, that was a good leader. So it's a frightening thing for people to see a good leader leave the scene. And Yoshua wants to get across a couple of very important messages. One is, it isn't about me, right? I was just an agent of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's about you and your relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's the number one message. Don't think that because I'm leaving the scene that, you know, you have uh, no prospects. Jewish history marches on and no matter who, you know, our greatest leaders have left us, Moshe Rabbeinu, when, when they pass on, Kodesh Baruch who arranges a new leader. It's always like that, right? The, uh, it says in the Kohelet, the sun rises and the sun sets. And the Chazal say, why is it say that the sun, um, no? The sun rises first, Okay, usually in Judaism, the sun, the day begins at sunset. So Chazal asked this question, they say, the, this is a metaphor for Jewish leadership. When a Jewish leader is leaving us, there's always another one waiting in the wings. So the sun rises, God is positioning new leadership in place before the sun sets. Right. And that is a very uh, comforting thought. 
So Yoshua, that's one message that he wants to give over. The message that, you know, the Jewish, uh, you know, Jewish history will march on and your, your future will, will be assured. The second message is that the way you relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way you follow his laws, that's going to be the way that Hashem relates to you. And in the case of this generation, the first generation of the land of Israel, the greatest challenge is going to be the nations that have still not been conquered. Now, Yeshua recognizes, and we'll see this inside, Yeshua recognizes that there's many people still there of the seven nations. And he wasn't able to finish the conquest. And the people who are, um, who are in this, uh, in the land at this point, they have to know that the mission hasn't been completed. So there's a big, big test here and a big, big challenge for them. And that's what Yoshua is going to talk about. Okay, Pasuk Gimel. And you have seen that all Hashem your God did to all these nations from before you. Because Hashem your God is the one who fought for you. Now, <coughs> this is a very important statement. This is very personal. This is extremely personal. Yeshua is standing in front of his people and he says, you saw it. You saw it with your own eyes. You saw what a Kaddish Baruch did for you. And Hashem was the one who fought for you. And it's an extremely important message, right? He doesn't talk about Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which they didn't see. He doesn't talk about Kriyas Yamasa, which they didn't see. He doesn't talk about Har Sinai. He talks about the military victories that they all experienced, that they saw. Yericho's walls come tumbling down, the sun standing still, miraculous hail on the enemies, the, the defeat of these kings in, in all kinds of manners, like all kinds of different things that were going on. You saw this, and you saw that Hashem fought for you. Now, what's the danger here? The danger is that you won't interpret this correctly, right? But when you see something, right, there's a very uh, interesting commentary here called the Chomer Tanach, which is the Chida of Chaim Yosef David Azulai. And he says like this. If a person sees a miracle, that means the miracle was in his merit and he deserved to see the miracle. How do we know this? When Hashem has his messengers tell Lot, do not look behind you. Because Lot does not, is not worthy of the miracle. And his wife 
who turns around, turns into a pillar of salt. And so we see that Lot and his family are not worthy of the miracle, but the miracle happens. And the commentaries say, right? This is, if you, even if you don't have the merit, you could still see it in your eyes. And this that you saw, this, um, you had the merit because Hashem with his rachamim fought for you. Okay, so there's a great merit to your seeing this because if you didn't have any merit, you would not have seen these miracles. And it's something to think about because if you have an experience of hashgacha pratis, if something happens to you, then you should, you know, make sure to tell people and publicize that so people will know. It's um, it's the antidote to the kochiba otsenyadi, right? The oh, I did it, right? I right. People have a tendency to take credit for themselves, and this is definitely a life lesson for us to think about. We're warned many times in the Sefer Devar about Kohi Yadi. My power, the might of my hand, <clears throat> made this victory for me. Now, the it's sad, but you know, when things go wrong, people always say, "Why did Hashem do this to me?" When people when things go right, people say, aren't I clever? I'm so clever. <laughs> Look what I did, right? And that's really, um, it's human nature, I guess. But we have to recognize that when things go right, it's HaKadosh Baruch who's doing them. Hashem gives you the koach, the power to do things right. I always find that historically, it's very, very um, telling that after the Six Day War, with all the open miracles, there was a tendency among certain uh, Israelis to just say, you know, we had a good army. There's a very famous story of, uh, you know, one particular general who went up on the Golden Heights with the Christian evangelical, and the Christian is going, what a miracle that you took the Golden Heights, how could this be, what a miracle? And uh, pretty sure as Montegori said, no, we had a, we have a good army, right? There's a book called um, The Seventh Day, but the Six Day War. And, you know, this amazing stories is a very interesting book. You know, the, the guys are telling all these miracles that happened. So you know, we were lucky. You know, they bombed them, you know, four times. The Syrians are bombing them again and again. And there's no escape, you know, and, and no one is hurt. And they're like, we were lucky. Well, no, you weren't lucky. Hashem was protecting you. And it always struck me as that that's only six years later that we had this tremendous debacle of the Yom Kippur War, which was a disaster. And we, we only survived that, you know, with the grace of God. And it wasn't simple, right? We went through a lot. We lost a lot of people then. So that's a very dangerous attitude. When there's miracles, look at them, enjoy them talk about them, tell over. When you see it, talk about it. Make your suda todaya. People who are saved, they make a suda. They bench gomel. You know, it's funny. I remind myself of the Gulf War. So during the Gulf War, we were sitting ducks, like whoever wasn't in Israel at that time, 1991. And we were expected to just sit in the house with our sealed rooms 
you know, and just like protect ourselves any way we could. And there, you know, and Saddam Hussein was raining bombs on us. Um, and every day, like I remember that it was a very, very amazing thing. And I thought for sure, Mashiach is coming. I thought for sure, because every day there were miracles. It was an incredible time, you know, and I, you know, we didn't have a TV, but like I borrowed the TV from my parents' apartment. I told my husband, there's miracles every day. I want to see the miracles. It was unbelievable. The people were in the Miklat, the house got bombed. The people were in the house, the Miklat got bombed. The people were running from the house, the Miklat, Miklat and the house were both destroyed and they were fine. And it was stories like this every day. There was one story I remember, take a minute and tell you, because it was priceless. We were watching, you know, never watched TV, but this was just amazing. So you see a man standing in front of a little room and the entire house is destroyed, but the little room is there, you know? And the reporter's saying like, what happened? He said, you know, it's really, it can be a little crass. And he's <laughs> like, you know, I went to the bathroom. I won't use the expression that he used. I went to the bathroom and I came out and my house was gone. <laughs> And like he's standing there in shock and the reporter's looking at him and he's looking around the shambles and this little bathroom is intact. So the reporter says to him, Zenes, is it dead? Zenes, it's a miracle. And the reporter says to him, maybe you're a tzaddik. So he says, no, no, you're not tzaddik. Funniest thing I ever saw. It was amazing. I was shocked. I honestly was shocked. I guess I was young and naive, and I thought the next day the whole country's going to do tshuva and Mashiach's coming. And it was shocking to me that everybody just went back to their usual pursuits because it was everyday miracles. Really, really amazing. So, this is what Yeshua is telling the people. You saw. Hashem fought for you. You saw that. Don't let that go by. Don't say it's a coincidence. Don't say, you know, wow, we were lucky. You weren't lucky. Hashem was taking care of you. Always remember that. Remember that. So that's a very important takeaway. Okay, let's go on. See that I have cast for you, this referring to the lot, the Hagoyim and the, 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 the nations that are still left here to conquer. This is till Yamagadol, right? The Mefarshim say that I cut them off until the Great Sea, that's the Mediterranean, Mediterranean at the West. So Yeshua is reminding them that I have that there has been a tremendous amount of conquest, let's say percentage-wise, most, let's say 70, 75% of the land has been conquered. However, there are nations left, there are people left, and I've given you their nachala. In other words, we, we did talk about this when we had the division. Everybody knows, let's look at this, everybody knows where their land is. And each tribe has what's left to do. You, in other words, you have your work cut out for you. This is what Yoshua was saying. You have to know that. It's not all done. 
Hashem, your God, will push them out from before you, and expel them from before you. And he will uh, give you to inherit their land as he has said. Now, this expression, he will push them out. There's a very important component to this. Like, God is going to do this, but it's that same old story. God helps those who help themselves. You have to do your ishtadlis. You have to do your work. And then God will push them out for you. Because up until now, nobody, uh, you know, uh, nobody stood before you. All the, all the nations were uh, conquered. And whoever's left, Hashem will push them away and give you their land. But that's on a condition that Pasuk Bav, and Pasuk Bav is the classic and most important takeaway lesson. And you should strengthen yourselves to guard and to do everything that's written in the Sefer of Torah Moshe in the Torah. And of course, he always mentions Moshe, his Rebbe, and that's the Torah. You have to follow that. You must not go astray to the right or to the left. Now, here there's a important, important uh, lesson that I, again, I took this from the Chida, the Chomatana, uh, which is a very beautiful thought. He says, the Vav, Right, the verbs yitain, like the Chazal say in Staka, yitain v'yachzor yitain again and again and again. The Chazak temaod. He makes a point that this extra verb here means you're going to need to do this again and again and again. And he says very beautifully, I'm reading from him, right? Um, and he says, right, this is the battle that you must strengthen yourself with all the time, again and again and again. Strength, strengthen yourselves and fight the Yetzirah because it renews itself every day and you have to fight against it. This is a permanent battle and a person is fighting in secret. A very, very interesting uh, commentary. What does he say? He say, you know, the Yetzirah is going to get you again and again. Like every, the Yetzirah is really brilliant and um, they say that the, the greater the person, the greater the Yetzirah. One of the explanations for that is a great person is very brilliant. The Yetzirah gets smarter too. The Yetzirah has all kinds of different ways of getting you. So you have to be fighting the Yetzirah all the time. There's a good lesson for us. There's no rest in that war against this brilliant and inventive foe. Lishmore, 
that is the lotase. Lasot, that's the ase. There are many, many things that you have to keep and not go right or left. And that's a you know, metaphor, the Mitsudas is a metaphor. Go uh, not to stray. Now, what is that expression? The Don't go with them and be like them. In other words, don't follow their ways. But I believe that I could show you. I'm not sure why it's not there. Something wrong here. And Zion. Um, where is that? Okay, so one of the explanations, Levilti Boba Goyim, is not to go like them. Yes, so here it is. Right, Radak. So I don't have the Radak here. That's what I'm looking for. Don't marry them. Levilti Boba Goyim Ha'ela. Right? These nations, the ones that remain, let me just get the trap there. You shouldn't go amongst these nations, comma, the ones that are remaining with you. Do not mention the names of their gods. And don't swear by them. Don't serve them and don't bow down to them. And here we have a warning how not to sin, right? You are surrounded by people who have this degenerate culture. And it's clear, it says many times in the Flemish, that Hashem is not giving you the land, just, you know, Hashem loves you, Hashem approves of you, wants to give you the land. But really, one of the things that Hashem wants to do is get rid of the degenerates. Their society is evil, degenerate, and pagan, and completely immoral. So when you are faced with this around you, and you have not gotten rid of them, then you will have the temptation to be like them, to intermarry, and once you intermarry, it won't be a problem to, for you to say the names of their gods and not only say the names, but also swear by their gods. And that's just a short step from worshiping them and bowing down to them. And this is a progression that's very, very sad and very, very common and a, a warning, a great warning. Now, the Malbim basically divides the choice of the Jewish people here into two very stark choices. Either get rid of them, destroy them all and throw them out, or assimilate. The Malbim doesn't see any middle ground. This is a very, very fraught topic and something you know, difficult to think about. And, and um, our generation is different than this generation. And, um, you know, we have our challenges. Their challenge was pretty straightforward. If you keep them around, you're going to um, be drawn after their um, 
their evil ways. Now, it's interesting that Jewish history bears this out, right? The, the Northern Kingdom, which lost, when the, when the kingdom split after Shlomo Melch, the Northern Kingdom lost all connection to Yerushalayim, to the, the Avodah, and they were very quickly drawn after the idol worship and the degenerate ways, and their exile came faster than the exile of the Southern Kingdom, but the Southern Kingdom also succumbed to this temptation. And Yoshua is afraid of this and he wants to warn them against it. Now, the name of the gods, I just want to read this to you in Shemot, right? You must not say the name of other gods. It's a very, very interesting halacha. You're not supposed to say the name of other gods. And then, the Chazal go even further and say, if you make an agreement with someone who is uh, an idol worshiper, a pagan, they may swear by their gods, and that might be, you know, a sin for you. One sin leads to another. So Yeshua is warning them against this and the intermarriage, and it's really kind of interesting because Yeshua himself, who did he marry? He married Rachab. Moshe Rabbeinu married a Midianite. These two great leaders of ours married righteous converts. Clearly, that's a different thing, right? And um, in today's world, I think that the intermarriage rate is something like 74%, which is something kind of horrible. That's in the non-Orthodox world. And we have to be careful. However, the nature of our society is such that we can't... Um, in our times, we can't, you know, do the whole, uh, you know, cut them off, throw them out. We need to, and it's interesting that the, the Piske Halacha of the, the rabbis have become very different in our times. When people intermarry, they're, they're advised, the family that is religious is advised not to break ties and to try to, you know, keep ties and see if, if there, something can be salvaged there and uh, leave the door open. Today's world is very different, but it's a difficult subject. I mean, it's not a, it's not at all a simple thing, no, it's, right? We have to be aware of what a trap this can be for us. Okay, it's a very fraught subject and not a simple one. And I, you know, when, when my husband and I uh, first started back when he started teaching in 1978. Maybe once a year we had a student who said like there was an intermarriage going on in their family. And today it's it's just everybody all the time. And um, this is where we are. But also on the flip side, we do know many, many stories of people who actually they married out and the, the non-Jewish spouse became interested in Judaism and uh, converted and dragged the reluctant, not religious Jew along with them. I, I know many stories like this. So, Odlo Avzatik Patenu. It's not something we can give up on. And Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, we hope that uh, all the people will come back.
Okay, moving along. Right. That's very interesting sukkim here. Very interesting. But you must cling to Hashem as you have done until this day. So first of all, this is a very great compliment because Yeshua is really referring to, it seems like he's referring to his own generation because the generation before, the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, well, they had some backsliding going on in the desert. But the generation of Yeshua is almost matchless in their tzitkus. Like you, we, we know the sin of Ahad, who took from the Chavim. I mean, you know, we don't see any really other egregious sins going on at the time of Yeshua. They were really very righteous. He says, you have clung to God until today, right? Keep on doing that. So that the question is, how do you cling to God? You know, the Gemara says, how do you do that? You know, Hashem Elokechem, right? Eish Ochla is a devouring fire. So there's a number of different opinions, how you cling to God, cling to his midot, cling to, um, cling to Tamide Chachamim. And the Ramban says, cling to God by thinking of how much God loves you and think about how um, he's done so much for you. Cling to God by hanging onto that all the time. It's an interesting Ramban. The Ramban says that you have to compare your affection for God to the affection of a couple in love. They're always thinking about each other. You should always be thinking about God. It's a very uh, interesting and high level to aspire to. You know, our daily life, we're living our life, but in the back of the mind is always our love for Kodesh Baruch Hu. Very interesting thought. And he's saying this, according to the Bible, to the whole people, not just to the leaders. Everyone is capable of clinging to God. So there's another lesson for us. Reiterating, God sent out all these great and powerful enemies, and no one stood before you until today. How could it even be? How could it even be? How could this, you know, tiny nation chase out so many? I actually have to refer you. I mean, I'll put it in the in the chat there is a uh, researcher who made like a bunch of videos uh, about miracles. I think it's called Against All Odds, right? It, some things just do not add up how, until today, you know, things that happened in Eretz crazy things, right? And all over the world, you know, we had uh, a student, uh, an alum at the Highland Park shooting, and thank God she and her family are okay. We have miracles that happen all the time. And here we have to see that, right? How does that uh, that's happen, right? How is it possible that one man can chase away a thousand? Because Hashem fights for you, as he said. It's persecuted. Beautiful Pasek. We have Unfortunately, the opposite in Hazino, it says, Echa yudof echad elef, ushnaim yanisu rebaba, im loki tuba mecharam, Hashem is kiram. At the time when Hashem is angry with us, one person can chase a thousand Jews. But when Hashem is helping us and fighting for us, 
one person can chase away a thousand. And that's miracles, Dorim Kol Yom. I'm going to write you that thing against all odds. Very interesting stories in there. Pasigit Aleph. And you must guard your souls to love Hashem your God. Now, it's very interesting. This Pasuk is also in the Chumash. And generally speaking, when people quote this, they're talking about your health. You have to be careful. You have to eat healthy. You have to take care of yourself. But it seems here, and you look at the Mitzvahs, we're talking here about your souls. We're talking here about your nefesh, right? The danger of sinning is great, and you have to guard against those sins. And how do you guard against this? Is by loving Hashem. A very, very interesting connection. So if you don't love Hashem, and you don't recognize the Nisan, and you're not grateful for all the good things Hashem did for you. And this is not returning to God. The understanding here, Mitzudas is saying, if you're turning away from Hashem, if we're turning to the other, and you cling, instead of clinging to God, you cling to those nations that remain around. If you marry them and they marry with you, just know that once you start going down that route, then Hashem is going to withdraw all of his help. And not only that, he will leave you to your own devices and what's going to happen. They will be a trap for you, a net, will a mokesh and a snare, an obstacle, will and to a, a this is variously um, translated as a goad or a whip, but uh, Rashi does something interesting here. Rashi says they will they will the shotate means to roll and they'll go around and rob you. They'll be um, uh, whips, goads in your sides and sninim it seems to be some kind of thorn, right, in your eyes. Until you will be lost from on the, this good land that Hashem has given you. So here we have the very, very sad and very, very true prediction that Yeshua is making. If you decide that you're going to go that route you're going to say, well, I don't want to be bothered conquering these people. Let's just make a nice peace treaty and we'll all get along. And this is all a downhill spiral. You're going to end up, you know, assimilating, getting involved in their culture. It's almost impossible not to, right? This is the Maldim Caesar says like, you know, there's just no other choice. And at that time, no that Hashem is just going to leave them for you and they're going to be trouble. And I always think of this as um, very, very parallel to the way we live today in the lands of Israel, because, you know, to a certain extent, you know, when we had all of our battles, many, many of our enemies were vanquished. But we have 
definitely got a fifth column that we're living with. And they're definitely a snare and they're definitely an obstacle and they're a trap and they're thorns in our sides and goads in our eyes. And we, you know, we always have to deal with this. And it's ironic to me always, you know, I'm to spend a little time in the hospital. My daughter had a baby, Baruch Hashem, just everywhere, everywhere we have our, our cousins, they're everywhere. And, you know, and a lot of them really are friendly and they're really very polite. And um, there's a lot of problems that come up and it, it's, it raises its head from time to time. And uh, here, what happens in Jewish history, you know that everything Yoshua says comes exactly true and they are thrown out of the land eventually. And now Yoshua sums it up, right? That's, that's the, you know, the sad thing. We really, the, uh, the warning that Yoshua gives. And I am going today on the, in the way of the whole land, right? This is the way of all life, right? He says, you know, this is what's happening. He's going to die. This is his expression that David Amalf uses before he gives also his, his uh, last will and testament to Shlomo Amalf. And no, he says, I'm leaving, right? I'm out of here. But know with all your hearts and all your souls that everything Hashem said he would do for you, all the good stuff, it all happened. All that good stuff happened to you. And here it's, it's a very, very strong statement, right? And what does that sound like? It sounds like Shema, right? Now, if you take a look at the redaction, I don't have the redaction, let me read it for you. Klomar. That is to say, put your heart and your knowledge that to all the good things that happen, it's not possible that it was coincidence. <laughs> Very, very beautiful Radak. Radak says, don't ever say, we were lucky. We had a good break. It was a coincidence. We were fortunate. Recognize with all your heart and with all your soul, that it was a Kaddish Baruch Hu who did it for you. It's all from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He says, the, I love this expression, the kavanat mechabein. It was with the intention of someone, of the, the mechabein, the one who, who, who organized it. The Kaddish Baruch Hu organized all this for you. You have, to, you have to really know that. You can't say it was a coincidence. It was the intentional purpose of the creator he wanted to do good for you. He did all this good. But, and it's a little bit of a downer the way this parak ends. It's called 
just as God did all this good stuff for you, as he promised, so too he will bring on you all the bad stuff. Ad until he destroys you from before, uh, uh, destroys you from the pond, the beautiful land, the good land that Hashem gave you. Now, it's very interesting. He doesn't give you any details about all the good things, right? He just says it all, it all happened, whatever Hashem promised giving you the good land, throwing at your enemies before you, right? Giving you the produce, the beautiful fruits of the land, right? All these things happen. And just the same way, if you don't follow in Hashem's plans, then um, Hashem will use his divine providence against you to destroy you. It's a very, very strong statement. Here, like Yeshua is giving the, the things, and this is this is the same thing that we say every day in the second paragraph of Shema, of Shema Baya Im Shamoa, right? If you listen to Hashem, right, you'll get your rain in the right time, and your crops will prosper. You'll have everything you need in this beautiful land, right? Right? But be careful, right? If you go astray, maybe you go astray and worship other gods. And in today's context, we might put instead of idols, all the other isms, if you worship materialism, if you worship uh, all the, the things that the Western society adores, you know, looks and money. Liberalism. What? Liberalism. Liberalism, wokeism, you know, power and beauty and talent. If you go after astray after all that stuff, right? I'm gonna hold back the rain, right? And and drive you out of the land. Now, God forbid, we have finally come back to our land, and we don't want to think about that. But here, the start, the choice that Yeshua is giving the nation is very stark. He's very, very afraid that without his guidance, going, in, going forward, the Jewish people will backslide. If you transgress the covenant that Hashem has commanded you, and you will go and you will serve other gods, Wow, it's almost identical to the language of Shema. This is the Torah Moshe coming from the mouth of his student and disciple Yoshua. Remember, remember that when you follow Hashem's ways, Hashem is happy to do whatever you need and to help you with everywhere you want, right? And chase your enemies from before you in myriad miraculous ways. If God forbid you don't, right? If God forbid you go the wrong way, then um, Hashem knows exactly how to get rid of them, right? It's interesting that one of the things we hear about in the Chumash is that, you know, 
Hashem wants to give you the land, Hashem loves us, but really, in the time, you know, of the seven nations, Hashem wanted to get rid of this, you know, horrible, depraved society. And, and the Jews were the agents for that. So if the Jews, you know, go and do the same thing, so what privilege, what right do we have to be in the land of Israel? There's something of a downer in the way this parak ends, right? So we can try to leave it on a more upbeat note and say that Yeshua is reminding them to always look at those miracles. And I think that's something that we can really think about for ourselves. Instead of uh, you know, walking away with the downer, just remember, I have to tell you, there are miracles that happen every day, just the most ordinary things. We can just look around the world and see you know, the, the greatness of God in nature and in people. And remember that we see that and we talk about that and we focus on that. And Bezrat Hashem, Hashem will reward us for clinging to him in that way and loving him in that way.